the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. He determined that despite the ungodly influence of his father and grandfather, he was going to be his own man, and he was going to seek the Lord for himself when he turned 16. He starts to seek God. Listen, I've said this before, and it's a good reminder. I'll say it often. If you came from a godly home, that's wonderful. But you can't build your faith on the back of your parents. And if you came from a home where there was no faith, and maybe there was ungodly influence, okay, so be it. But now seek God for yourself and own your own relationship. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Kings. Much of who we are today traces back to our childhood and to what our parents were like. But we can't use this as a cover or an excuse when we stand before God. A godly upbringing won't get us into heaven, and an ungodly one won't keep us out. We'll see a real-life example of this in today's message as Pastor Gary teaches on the reign of King Josiah. Although he had very wicked parents and grandparents, he committed his life to honor God even as a kid. No matter your past, take responsibility for your walk with God today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message titled, The Effect of God's Word. As you're finding your way there to 2 Kings 22, let me just give you a quick few bullet points heading into the reading of chapter 22. But we're going to take a look at the last good king of Judah. Remember that the northern kingdom of Israel is pretty much dissolved now. The Assyrian Empire came in 723 BC, overtook the northern kingdom of Israel. They're pretty much dispersed at this time. The southern kingdom of Judah is still intact for the time being. For now, we have one good king, the last good one on the throne. Yes, there's still an asterisk by his name because he does something at the end of his life that ends up getting him killed for it. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the good things of his life. The king's name is Josiah. Josiah's name in Hebrew is pronounced Yoshiahu. It is not Yoshiahu. It is just Yoshiahu, all right? In Hebrew, that's how it's pronounced, and his name translates Yahweh supports him or God is his foundation. He is the great-grandson of Hezekiah, but unfortunately his, his dad, Ammon, and his grandfather, Manasseh, were wicked, evil kings. So he didn't come from a very good 
you know, heritage. You have to go back three generations until you find a good king in his line. And he's only, check this out, the Bible says he's only eight years old when he becomes king. And the reason that he becomes king at such a young age is because his father was assassinated. Enough people were around his father, whose name was Ammon, that they realized this guy's so wicked, we can't let him continue in his reign. They assassinate him, and now his young son at the age of eight is on the throne. So here we go, chapter 22. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedida, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also, have them purchase timber and dressed stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for, their, for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. It's kind of an interesting statement there about just uh, their good stewardship. They didn't even need to account. Verse 8 says, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. And then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Well, if there was a key phrase that could express and summarize Josiah's life and reign as king of Judah, it would be something like this, that Josiah made the word of God central to his life and to the life of the nation. That is what he is most known for. King Josiah made the word of God central to his life and to the life of the nation, like no other king. He studied it, he was devoted to it, and he himself and the nation as a whole submitted themselves to the Word of God like no other time and like no other king. Even King David. Though King David's writings are largely preserved in the Bible because he wrote most of the Psalms, even David himself did not make the Bible such national priority in the eyes of the people like Josiah did. He takes the Word of God and he makes it a national priority. He centralizes it to everything about his life and the life of the nation. And here's how it begins. There are three, what I'm going to call three mile markers in Josiah's life. 
How did he become a guy who made the Bible so central to his life and to the life of the nation? Here's how. Three major mile markers in his life. The first one occurs when he's eight years old. The second one when he's 16. The third one when he's 26. I'm going to go through each of these so you can see the progressive things that happen in his life. First thing is, when he turns eight years of age, the Bible says here he began to reign as king of Judah. Now, can you imagine that? You know, you're on the throne and you're ruling a country and you're in third grade. I mean, how marvelous is that? Your biggest decision you've had to make in your life up to this point is whether or not you want PB&J or mac and cheese for lunch. But now all of a sudden you got a crown of gold and everybody envies your party hat, okay? And you are the envy of all your eight-year-old friends in the playground. And here's this guy, I'm sure first executive order, is everybody gets a free Happy Meal and in the box, a free iPhone. You know, that's the way it's going to go down. So here he is, eight years old. Now, obviously, an eight-year-old cannot govern a kingdom. So what is inferred here, the reality is that he's got some advisors who were speaking into his life. And we know that there are several godly people at this time around him. For example, Zephaniah the prophet. One of your books of the Bible named after him. Zephaniah the prophet. In Zephaniah 1.1, it says that Zephaniah prophesied during the reign of King Josiah. So he was on the scene. In addition, you have a woman prophetess mentioned in this chapter here, further down. Her name is Huldah. So she's a godly example. And so maybe she's whispering into his ear. You also have Jeremiah, who was a prophet at this time. In fact, Jeremiah grew up just about three miles from where Josiah grew up, and they were roughly the same age. Jeremiah starts prophesying when he's 17 years of age, and it says in Jeremiah 1-2 that he starts prophesying in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. So Josiah starts out at 8, 13th year. He's 21 years old. Jeremiah's roughly 17 or 18. So they grew up together, so perhaps he's speaking into his ear. And in addition, Jeremiah's father... The prophet Jeremiah's father was Hilkiah, the high priest, who was in this story. So you have Hilkiah, the priest, you have Jeremiah, Huldah, Zephaniah. He's got some people around his life that are probably speaking into his life, giving him some good godly counsel, such that as a young guy, he is ruling and reigning, and then another mile marker occurs. And it is probably the direct result of the influence of some godly people in his life. When he turned 16, he began to seek the Lord. The Bible says in the account of Chronicles, you don't need to turn there, but when Chronicles talks about Josiah's life, in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 3, it says in the eighth year of his reign, okay? He starts out at eight years old. The eighth year of his reign would be 16. While he was still young, the verse says, he began to seek the God of his father David. Now, again, David was not his biological father. It's a respectful title because David is the father of the Davidic line of kings. And so something happens here. It's a very pivotal point in Josiah's life. Age of 16, he starts to seek the God of his father, David. Not of his own earthly father, because Ammon, his father, and Manasseh's grandfather were wicked men, which is another good reminder to us that you do not have to repeat the sins of your fathers. His father was wicked. His grandfather was wicked. you got to go back to great-grandfather Hezekiah before you find a godly influence in his life. And he determined that despite the ungodly influence of his father and grandfather, he was going to be his own man, and he was going to seek the Lord for himself when he turned 16. And he starts to seek God. Listen, I've said this before, and it's a good reminder. I'll say it often. 
If you came from a godly home, that's wonderful. But you can't build your faith on the back of your parents. And if you came from a home where there was no faith, and maybe there was ungodly influence, okay, so be it. But now see God for yourself and own your own relationship. Be your own man, be your own woman, and seek after God. And let me tell you this too. Josiah is 16 years of age here. Let me just speak to the younger crowd in the house today. As a teenager, he seeks the Lord. It doesn't matter how young you are, and for that matter, it doesn't matter how old you are either, but for the context of our story, it doesn't matter how young you are, start seeking the Lord. The Bible is filled with examples of teenagers who were used by God to change the world. Josiah here is 16. King David was between 13 and 15 when he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. It wouldn't happen for about another 15 to 20 years, but he was selected by God when he was about 13 to 15 years of age. Daniel. Daniel was about 16 when he was hauled off as a prisoner, taken to Babylon to a pagan foreign country where he became influential for the cause of God in the court of a pagan king. 16. Jeremiah the prophet that I already mentioned was about 17 years of age when he comes onto the world scene as a prophet of God. Mary in the New Testament, the one who gave birth to Jesus, who was about 15 when she conceived the seed of God. Young Timothy in the Bible was about 15 years of age when he got saved under the ministry of Paul, and then he would later grow up and as a young guy pastor a church, and Paul would exhort him in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set as an example for all the believers in speech, in life, in faith, in love, and in purity. Five different points he says, I know you're young, Timothy, but you set as an example for the rest of the believers, even in your youthfulness, what it is to be a man of God. Teenagers, you're not too young to seek the Lord, and you're not too young to be used by the Lord. God can use you as he did many teenagers throughout the Bible. And here's Josiah, 16 years of age. He says, I'm going to seek the Lord. It doesn't matter what my parents did or my grandparents. I'm going to seek the Lord for myself. And so he did. Now, as a result of this newfound relationship he has here with God as he seeks the Lord, another mile marker, when he turns 26, the Bible says he began to repair the temple of the Lord. Probably born out of this relationship with God, he wants to do something to honor God. He takes a look at the temple of the Lord. It's in a state of disrepair. So he embarks on this. He initiates a repair project to build up again the temple of the Lord that's kind of in a shambles now. Great-grandfather Hezekiah did a similar thing. But that was 200 years before Josiah. Your house, you know, after a few years, it starts to need a bunch of repairs. How good is your roof? 20 years maybe? And so, you know, here he is 200 years later, Josiah's like, we need to repair this place. And so he embarks on this process here in 2 Kings chapter 22. Look again at verse 3. It says, in the 18th year of his reign. So again, do the math. He starts at 8. It's the 18th year. He's 26. King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, this is kind of like his chief of staff, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. And then he listed out here the carpenters, the builders and the masons, and also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair 
the temple. So here he is embarking on this project of repairing the temple. Now, in the process of repairing the temple, an interesting thing happens. There's a discovery in the temple of the Lord. Hilkiah, the high priest, discovers the book of the law. The book of the law. Now, the book of the law was, you know, for all intents and purposes, their Bible. Now, it probably was only the first five books. The book of the law probably is synonymous with the books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And here's this book, first five books of the Bible. And it's been just kind of disregarded. And so it's somewhere in some, you know, back room of the temple area. And people have forgotten about it. You know, there's no indication here that they were looking for it. There's no indication that they were, you know, seeking after. Where is that book of the law? Let's bring it out and find it. No, no, no. They stumble upon it. It's by accident. High priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law, blows it off, says, what is this? And he starts looking at it. And then he calls Shaphan, like the chief of staff, to King Josiah. And he says to Shaphan, I found the book of the law. Shaphan, the Bible says, starts to read it. He reads what's in it. Now, there's no indication here that there's much enthusiasm. By the way, enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, en theos, in God. Real enthusiasm is you're excited about the things of God. There's no enthusiasm here, okay? They just are kind of like, well, there's the book of the law. Okay, let me read it. All right, maybe I should take this to the king. So Shaphan goes to the king. But he goes to the king to basically give a progress report on the repair of the temple. Look at the story here, further down chapter 22, verse 9. And then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Now just pause there. All he's basically saying to the king is, Okay, here's a progress report. Just want you to know everybody who needs to be paid. All the invoices have come in. All the builders have been paid what they should be. We're about a week behind on the project, but good news is we're still on track with the budget. So I'll have the spreadsheets for you in the morning. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Word of God was such an incredible find, wouldn't he have gone in first with that news? So he's not even really enthusiastic about this. But then he adds, verse 10, Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. So it's almost like an afterthought. Okay, I'll get the spreadsheets to you in the morning. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. Hilkiah gave me a book. Would you like a bedtime story, king? I'll read you a bedtime story. Yeah, sure. I want to be entertained. Go ahead, read it to me. Now listen, mind you, Josiah has never heard the word of God. Never. Because the Bible has, has been obsolete. It has been relegated to some back room in the temple for the past couple hundred years probably during the reign of his wicked father and his wicked grandfather. They didn't give the Bible priority. They weren't reading it. It wasn't central to the nation. So mind you, Josiah has never heard the word of God. And Shaphan begins to read it. And when Shaphan begins to read the word of God, I want you to notice the reaction of Josiah. Look at verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now underline that phrase. That was typical in that ancient culture to express deep emotion. It could be any kind of emotion. If you got word that somebody that you loved had died, you would rip your clothing. If you got 
terrible news, some grievous thing, you'd rip your clothing. The reason that he's doing this is because he is under deep conviction. He hears the Word of God for the very first time in his life, and he realizes, I never knew this. Our nation has been sinning against God this entire time. We've been allowing things in our nation and in our lives. And I myself, and he takes personal responsibility as well. He's like, I never knew. I never knew. And so he tears his robe as a sign of grief. He is under conviction. Now, let me tell you something here, folks. This is typical, okay? This is typical. Some of you, perhaps, are relatively new to the faith, maybe, or maybe you're here just kind of, you're checking things out. You know, the whole idea of church and Jesus and the Bible is new to you. And so what can tend to happen is, if you're here long enough as we go through the whole Bible, or if you read the Bible on your own, which I encourage you to do, you will hear the Word of God perhaps for the first time, and you will begin to say to yourself, I never knew that. This is what God thinks of this subject, and this is what God thinks of that subject, and I never knew. And you'll begin to come under some conviction, because you never knew. Okay? I don't say that in any way to shame you. I say that to congratulate you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're seeking out what does the Bible mean? What is church about? Who is Jesus? But in the process of hearing enough of the Bible, you're going to begin to have certain reactions to certain things in your life, and you're going to begin to realize, oh, God says that's wrong. I didn't know. And that's a good thing. This is what is happening with Josiah. We've been sitting against the nation. I didn't know. You might hear as we go through the Bible, and you're going to begin to realize, oh, I shouldn't be sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend before I get married. I just didn't know. Okay, you didn't know. Or I didn't know that getting drunk was a sin. I didn't know that. I mean, I know how I felt the next morning. I didn't like how I felt the next morning, but I, I didn't really know that it was classified as a sin. I didn't know. I didn't know that it was wrong to envy what someone else had. I mean, I guess I realized that, you know, it wasn't the best thing, but... I always liked what they had or what they owned or who they were about. I didn't realize that envy or covetousness or jealousy is a sin. I didn't know. I didn't know that unforgiveness was a sin. I just thought that if somebody wronged me, I was entitled to be bitter because look at, after all, what they did to me. I didn't know that God wants me to deal with that bitterness. I didn't know. And that's a good place to be where you just begin to realize, I just didn't know. But here's what begins to happen. He comes under conviction here. And what I love about Josiah is what he didn't do. And sometimes this is what we can do if we're not careful. Notice what he did not do. He did not retreat. When he heard the word of God, he did not retreat. He did not dismiss it. He didn't say to Shaphan, okay, Shaphan, you know, look, put that book away. Wherever you found that, just put that book away. We don't need that stuff, okay? I don't know what about all these rules, but I've got a new motto for you, Shaphan, the man. I'm too cool for rules, okay? That's the way it's going to go down, all right, Philly style. We're not going to go into these rules, all right, Shaphan? So put away the book of the law because I don't want to hear any more of this. I don't know why the whole Philly thing just came out of my mouth. <laughs> But, you know, it can be for any of us, right? This is not his reaction. What is he going to say? This is 6th century B.C. We're too smart for this. You know, God is way behind the times. I mean, you know, here we are, 21st century A.D., and this is the kind of talk that we hear today. People are like, yeah, I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear the Word of God. You know, God is out of touch with the times, and He just doesn't keep up with, you know, the way that we're changing things, and things are evolving in our culture. You know, God is just this antiquated guy in the sky, and He doesn't know anything that He's talking about, so I have no place for the Bible. That is not Josiah's reaction. 
Josiah hears it, receives it, and submits to it. That's what he does. What a fantastic time we've had studying Second Kings together today. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to dig into the story of God, working through history and nations to shape, discipline, and preserve His people, Israel. We at Cornerstone Connection would love the opportunity to serve you further as God writes your own story in His redemptive plan. We have companion resources for you on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary offers a deeper look into several of his studies to help you gain a better understanding of the Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast or take us anywhere with the mobile app. Cornerstone Chapel is located in Leesburg, Virginia, and we'd love for you to join us for weekend services or our Wednesday night Bible study and fellowship time. Our Sunday services begin at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday nights begin at 7 p.m. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you have any questions for us, feel free to call 703-771-1500. We continue to pray for you, that you would understand the greatness of God's love for you. We have loved our time together today and invite you to join us again for the next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.